Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Welcome. It is Monday. It is Hometown Heroes. And on this special day, we are actually going to talk about Martin Luther King Jr., And our journey into the life of Martin Luther King Jr. begins with his early years. Growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, born into a family rooted in faith, young Martin witnessed the realities of social segregation in the South. His father, Reverend Martin Luther King Sr., reserved and served as a pastor, and his mother, Alberta Williams King, were deeply involved in church activities. And within this nurturing environment that Martin Luther King Jr.'s character and values were shaped. And a little bit later on, we're going to talk about some of those values and characters. King's early exposure to the teachings of Christianity, and particularly the message of love, compassion, and justice, left an indelible mark on his worldview. His family instilled him in the importance of service of others and the belief in the transformative power of faith. Learn to do right, seek justice, the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow, Isaiah 1.17. This verse from the book of Isaiah emphasizes the call to righteousness and justice. It instructs individuals to actively engage in doing what is right, seeking justice for those who are, are oppressed, defending the rights of the fatherless, and advocating for the widows. 
The verse reflects on a profound ethical and moral responsibility to stand up for the vulnerable and the marginalized of society, which aligns with Martin Luther King Jr.'s commitment to social justice and equality, illustrating how biblical principles inspired his advocacy for civil rights. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. These words resonated with young Martin, laying the foundation for his commitment to social justice and equality. And as we delve deeper into the King's formative years, it's crucial to understand the impact of Christianity and faith on his activism. The teachings of Jesus Christ, especially the emphasis on love and nonviolence, became a guiding principle for King's approach to social change. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine: love your neighbor as yourself. This verse spoken by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew encapsulates a central teaching of Christianity. It emphasizes the importance of love, not only for God, but also for one's neighbor. Martin Luther King Jr. drew inspiration from these teachings in shaping his philosophy of nonviolent resistance. And the transformative power of love is overcoming hatred and prejudice. The idea of treating others with the same love and compassion one would extend to oneself became a guiding principle in King's advocacy for social for justice and equality. Love your neighbors as yourself. He believed in the transformative power of love to break down the barriers of hatred and prejudice. His faith fueled his conviction and the change could be achieved through nonviolent resistance. Joining the ranks of leaders who had utilized their faith as a driving force for social change. Martin Luther King Jr. began to see the church not just as a place of worship, but as a catalyst for justice. His theological studies further deepened his understanding of the interconnectedness of faith and activism. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you all are one in Christ. Galatians 3.28 in the book of Galatians underscores the idea of unity and equality in the eyes of God. It emphasizes that in Christ, distinctions based on ethnicity, social status, or gentle or gender, I am having so many issues today, are transcended and all believers are considered as one. Martin Luther King Jr. drew inspiration from this verse to advocate for racial equality, conveying the notion that irrespective of external differences, all individuals are equal in their humanity and deserving of the same rights and dignity. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female for all in one in Jesus Christ. This became the cornerstone of belief that all individuals, regardless of race, 
background were equal in God's eyes. The early years of Martin Luther King Jr. were marked by a conveyance of faith, family, and an awareness of the injustices plaguing society. Little did he know that these early experiences would shape him into a leader whose impact would reverberate far beyond the confines of his hometown. As we continue our journey through the life of Martin Luther King Jr., we arrive at a pivotal moment that ignited the flames of his leadership, the Montgomery bus boycott of 1955. The racial segregation on buses in Montgomery, Alabama was the catalyst that propelled King into the forefront of the civil rights movement. On December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks, a courageous African-American woman refused to give up her seat to a white man on a Montgomery bus. This act of defiance sparked the beginning of the Montgomery bus boycott, a collective protest against racial injustice. The community led by Martin Luther King Jr. decided to boycott the city buses until they desegregated. The boycott lasted for 381 days, during which African-Americans organized carpools walked long distances to protest the discriminatory bus practices. In the face of adversity, King emerged as a charismatic leader who spearheaded the Montgomery Improvement Association. Having to spearhead the Montgomery Improvement Association, the MIA, the organization's leading boycott. Something to say to the people. 
Finally, as I to talk, my words were fumbling a bit. Let us fight passionately and unrelentingly for the gold of justice and Let's be sure that our hands are clean in the struggle. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have come completely crumbled in Montgomery, we will be able to live with people as our brothers. We are here in a general sense because, first and foremost, we are American citizens. And we are determined to apply our citizenship to the fullest. Eloquence and commitment to nonviolent resistance became evident during this period. He drew inspiration from his Christian faith and teachings of Mahatma Gandhi, advocating a peaceful protest as a powerful tool for social change. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also, Matthew 5:39. This verse from the Gospel of Matthew is part of Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. It conveys the idea of nonviolent resistance and turning the other cheek when faced with aggression. Martin Luther King Jr. drew inspiration from this verse as a guiding principle for his philosophy of nonviolent protest. It reflects the transformative power of responding to hatred with love, a role in King's approach to civil rights. But But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Emphasizes the transformative power of love, even in the face of hatred. The Montgomery bus boycott not only challenged the unjust segregation policies, but also marked the rise of Martin Luther King Jr. as a prominent leader in the civil rights movement. His commitment to justice and equality, equality resonated with the African-American community and garnered attention nationally. There comes a time when people get tired of being trampled by the iron feet of oppression. King's leadership during the boycott laid the groundwork for civil rights activism. The boycott eventually led to a Supreme Court ruling declaring segregated buses unconstitutional. And it's a significant victory for the civil rights movement. And as we reflect on this chapter of Martin Luther King Jr.'s life, we recognize transformative power, a collective action, and the emergence of leader whose impact extends way beyond the Montgomery The next that 
that did not believe in violence. He believed in nonviolence. He lived this. He preached this. And this is the way he died. Now we will announce later to you the time when the body can be reviewed. As we remember his life today and what he has given up, we can't forget the right way and the wrong way for standing up for our rights. Why, hello, country. Hey, good afternoon. This is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hello, thank you for reminding me. My sisters have to remind me what my birthday is. And I was thinking, she's talking about Martin Luther King. I'm sorry, I'm just not getting on. But uh, good to hear your voice, Mary. And like I say, shout out to Dr. King because of all the righteous things that he did for the lives of all Americans. And with me being in the great city of Atlanta, Georgia, through his rising, it was awful peculiar how, excuse my French, Mary, for lack of better words, how black folks actually treated him because uh, it's like coming to a city near you. When Martin Luther King was alive, if the truth was really told, black people didn't really like him. Everything was nice and hunkadory until Dr. King came to town. Excuse my French one more time, Mary. They said that's when all hell would break loose. So even though he was trying to do a right thing, I also know that people are stuck in change. They didn't really want to change, and people operate so wonderfully out of their comfort zone. And Dr. King was definitely the man of the hour, the man for the century, to push everybody out of their comfortable zone. So if you're comfortable with people being bullied, being comfortable with people being denied, being comfortable with people, our children, being misled and murdered, then, yeah, you can be part of Devil's Crew. But when we're talking about in the army or the soldier of God, then his spirit will never, ever, ever die. I'm sadly to say that they only have one day of the year that they celebrate what he did in a lifetime. They give you a day of recognition. Wow. I'm glad we have to get our honors in heaven because that's nowhere even close to being fair. And you know how long they even had to lobby just to get people to say it was okay to give a shout-out to Dr. King on his day. And I'll say in close, Mary, turn back over to you. This is the day that the divine creator has made. Let us rejoice, let us be glad, and let us be thankful in it. So shout out to Dr. King and his whole bloodline, his whole family are still doing wonderful things to help better the life of other people. And what greater service could anyone else have living this life here on earth to be able to know that when you did, and I want more to thought, Mary, when they, I remember uh, watching one of the interviews that he did and they said, well, Dr. King, you have so many accolades that when you die, we're, we're pretty more than certain that all of them are not going to sit on your headstone. And if you was to ask anybody today, if you was to have to die or died today, and they had come to you and say, country boy, we're going to fix you a tombstone, what would you like for us 
to say on your tombstone. Forget about Harvard and Yale and all the wonderful universities, but what do you really have to say? And I think, and I quote, if I can just help somebody. He didn't say, he didn't call no name. He said, if I can just help somebody, anybody, then my living has not been in vain because the world changed just because he showed up. Back you, Mary. You know, he didn't just show up. And he is a man that people have protests and all this stuff going on. We're forgetting the whole point of why we protest. And that's for us all to be the same. And in this day and age, people are protesting, lack of a better phrase, the dumbest crap, pushing their agendas on everybody instead of everybody being equal. You have to agree with them or it's cancel culture. And the best way to explain this is from his mouth himself, his famous I Have a Dream speech. So come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage. And of course, this is where my stuff starts loading and not working. In the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Thousands are expected to gather in D.C. this weekend to mark the 60th anniversary of... So in a sea of people gathered at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. And when you look at the Lincoln Memorial, we forget how much an inspiration Abraham Lincoln was to Martin Luther King. There was a reason he, he gathered at the Lincoln Memorial. United in their call for civil rights, for economic rights. The March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom provides that backdrop to Martin Luther King Jr.'s legendary I Have a Dream speech. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Thousands are expected to gather in D.C. this weekend to mark the 60th and... Sorry. 
And as we talked about this morning, dreams. Dreams are what's so important. Dreams are our backdrop into change. When we don't dream, when we don't look for a different way, nothing is done. Everything stays the same. As his words resonate with passion and conviction, we reach the heart to those echoing across the nation. Immerse ourselves in this. You know, this eloquent speech articulated his dreams of a future where individuals would not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. His vision, his dream extended way beyond racial equality a broader sense for justice and freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened against by yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1 This verse from the book of Galatians emphasizes the theme of freedom. Through Christ, Martin Luther King Jr. is referencing biblical biblical verses like this. Through parallels between the spiritual freedom offered by Christianity and the quest for civil rights. And the idea to stand firm against oppression and not being burdened by the yoke of slavery resonates strongly with King's commitment to the liberation and equality. It serves as a powerful backdrop to his advocacy for justice, reflecting both his religious convictions and the broader principles of driving the civil rights movement. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened. It underscored a spiritual and moral underpinnings of the civil rights movement. The March on Washington became a pivotal moment, a drawing attention to the urgent need for legislation action to address racial equality. The impact of the March on Washington extended far beyond that historical day. It played a crucial role in shaping public opinion and influencing policymakers. King's dream echoed in the hearts and minds of those who longed for a more just and equitable society. I Have a Dream speech became a rally cry, an anthem for ongoing struggle for civil rights. Its legacy endures a testament to the power of words to inspire change. To this day, we still use I Have a Dream. We still reflect off of his speech. It reminds you how powerful, how important words are, and how words can change things. You know, Martin Luther King Jr.'s leadership was marked by unwavering commitment, but it was without challenges.
As the face of civil rights movement, he faced a constant threat, intimidation, and violence. His dedication to nonviolent resistance was met with opposition, but sometimes turned deadly. His home was bombed. He's been arrested numerous times. He's lived under a constant shadow of danger. But yet, in the face of adversity, he stood strong and firm. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, 4-7. This verse from the second letter to Timothy is often interpreted as a reflection on the completion of life's journey with faithfulness. And perseverance. Martin Luther King Jr. drew inspiration from such verses to express the endurance and commitment required to fight for justice and equality. The imagery of a race and a good fight resonates with challenges King faced, reinforcing the idea that his leadership in the civil rights movement was a testament to his unwavering faith and dedication to the cause. I have fought the good fight up until his untimely death. He held fast onto his faith and held fast onto his mission to end and make everything equal. It encapsulates the resilience and determination and the character of King's leadership. The fight for justice became a personal and spiritual journey for him. His commitment be extended beyond personal danger. It included the sacrifices made by his family. His wife, Coretta Scott King, and their children faced the burden of being a target for those who oppressed King's message of equality. They had to live in a constant fear. They had to live in a world where they didn't know if dad was coming home. Participated in a um, summit, um, Women's Strike for Peace uh, came into being really as a way of protecting, uh, uh, protesting the um, testing of a nuclear bombs, atomic bomb, nuclear bomb. Uh, and uh, we wanted to go to Geneva where there was a, a summit between the American representative and the the Soviet representative to plead with them to sign a test ban treaty. And Martin encouraged me to go, although he understood that uh, both of us were away a lot at that point, and he had said, you're going to have to stay home more because the children, uh, you know, uh, need you and all. And, and I said, no, no problem. But then he said, you need to go to this. This is important. So, you know, I, I, I went, and after that, I uh, became a spokesperson for the women's organizations, 
And then I was invited to speak for the peace as a peace coalition in Madison Square Garden, uh, where Martin had been asked to speak, but I didn't know he had been asked to speak when they asked me to speak. And I took the invitation to him, and he said, oh, yes, you need to do that. I was the only woman, of course, and one of the two blacks. I think Bayard Rustin was the other person. Uh, then I did a lot of the marches and so forth. I'd been. She helped take up the cause. She helped along with it. Martin knew that he might not get the promised land with us, but he seemed to be at peace with that. King's acceptance of the potential cost of leadership spoke his profound understanding of the magnitude of struggles with his leading. Freedom is never voluntary. Yes, sir. Go ahead. I mean, even nowadays, as we look at the families in America, uh, Dr. King's wife, Ms. King, was the epitome on what a supporting backbone wife would be. And then he was one of the first persons I ever heard. They used to say in the country, by every man, there's a good woman. He says, well, standing in front of this man is a good woman because truly he loved his wife. He loved his children. And at that time, not just talking about doing things, but actually getting things done. As he took his personal dream, as you said, Mary, it it was personal, and he took it universal. He encouraged people. And nowadays, I wish we still had that voice in our society, in our community. I think there would be less bullying going on because he taught people to stand up and speak out. You don't have to scream. You don't have to shout. Just courageously stand up and speak out. He was also one of those people that showed that if you don't do nothing, matter of fact, I had read one of his little quotes the other night. He says, I've been around the world more than one time, and I'll probably, like me and Cain says, God has a retirement plan to simply out of this world. He understood what God's retirement plan was for him. He says, I've been around the world more than one time. I've seen all different types of cults and evil. He says, doesn't matter where I go, evil always dwells nearby. But he says, as I come back home to the home of the free, land of the brave, I often wonder what happened if people really, really, really stood up and stood out for what they really believe in, even though he said he's seen all different types of cults and different types of evil, and with Dr. King being a very spiritual man himself, he asked this one question, and to this very day, I still ponder on it. If we know that evil is out there, and we come back home to the land of the free, home of the brave, where you can actually pray and and, and have the a freedom of what we now call religion. When are those so-called Christians, so so-called godly people, going to start standing up and say, when we see something, I think I read that in the Word, if you see something that's not right, 
or not just, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, you know, being battered and bruised amongst the world, but when you come home and you see, I hate this word, I'm going to use it, lazy, spirited people that won't, and again, talking loud, but really not really wanting to do anything, not really doing anything to make the situation better, but standing in the background, whispering and talking about what they could do, should do, woulda, coulda, shoulda done. Well, that still has the consciousness of America boiling and says that we need to courageously stand up and speak out. We know the difference between wrong. We know what's good and what's bad. But if we don't say nothing, then he says the people and the evils out there in the world are going to suck up those people that should be righteous, that should say that's not right. We're going to stop right here. Started somewhere and it has to stop right here. And then we and, and, and coast into a stop right now. I still hear the, the, the hymns in the background saying what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It really doesn't require you to have a master degree. Matter of fact, love don't even require a GED. No one ever asks you to see your resume. And Lynn Kane is really pomping it now, and you you walking on it, Mary. How tough is it to show kindness? How tough is it to treat other people the way that you would like to be treated? It's the thing that's rooted in love. Just treat other people the way that you want to be treated. And then when people come into your life, can I help you or hurt you? Dr. King had the power of helping people, but for some reason they turned it into a negative site. It seems like everywhere he went, even though it was a nonviolent movement, like I told you earlier, evil always shows up. One of us Christian people of God going to start to come together and put what we need to make the world a better place for everybody to live. And it's just treat everybody the way that you want to be treated because we all are humans. And why can't we just all get along? Back you, man. Freedom is never voluntary given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. In the Old Testament, when I first came across it, it struck me as a passage having cosmic significance because it says so much in so few words about things that we all experience experience in life. David, as you know, was a great king. And the one thing that was foremost in David's mind and in his heart was to build a great temple. The building of the temple was considered the most significant thing facing the Hebrew people, and the king was expected 
to bring this into being. They had the desire he started. Then we come to that passage over in the 8th chapter of 1 Kings, which reads, And it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And the Lord said unto David, my father, Whereas it was in thine heart to build a house unto my name, thou didst well that it was within thine heart. That's really what I want to talk about this morning. It is well. Yes, up. King's words reflect and acknowledge that the fight for justice demanded sacrifices. But the toll on his physical and mental well-being was immense, yet he persisted, inspired by a vision of more than just an equitable future. It started and ended with his heart. It started and ended with his faith. You dream start with your heart. As we continue this journey through the life of Martin Luther King Jr., we're going to talk about the significant legislative victories and international recognition that marked a transformative period in the civil rights movement. King's leadership, coupled with the collective efforts of the civil rights activists, bore fruit with two landmark legislative victories, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 aimed to end segregation in public places and banned employment discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. It was a monumental step for dismantling and institutionalized racism. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 aimed to overcome legal barriers at the state and local levels that prevented African Americans from exercising their right to vote. These legislative victories were a testament to the persistence of the civil rights movement, King's tirelessly advocacy. It, it shows, uh, it's all of those accomplishments show us that um, it's so important not just talk about doing things, but actually doing something about to have things uh, change the way the good Lord wants them to change. We we all have a responsibility in that area. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have a responsibility to uh, to act upon what it is 
um, that we believe that the good Lord wants us to do and what he's telling us to do, because he does tell us. He t- he's, um, he's in control. So he's telling us to do this and this and this in order to improve the situation for everyone, everyone's lives. <clears throat> and that's where we, that's where we can, we can do more each day and we can, we can uh, act upon things that need to be changed. And, and I, I just, uh, think I, I agree completely with what country boy was saying about uh <clears throat> It's not just talking about things, it's, it's doing things and taking steps necessary to make it happen. You know, uh, none, of us are legis- none of us are legislators, so we, we can't make the laws to change things. But what we can do is we can vote every time there's an election and try to put people into, uh, into the office that will will make the changes that are necessary, and we can we can write letters, and we can make phone calls, and we can do all those kinds of things to um, uh, to to uh, make change happen, and 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 straighten things out, and we can pray, 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 pray every day for the good Lord to help us to make the changes that need to be made, and. So I think that um, those are those are just some some things that come to my mind when you guys were talking about this and and listening to the uh, <coughs> the words that were being said um, uh, by Martin Luther King Jr. So I think he he was a tremendous a tremendous motivator and he was a tremendous um, uh, speaker and and he um, he was there. I was I was in high school when he was talking and he was making his speeches around the country, and I I I I just listened to him and I and I said, wow, he's right on he's right on target, and and um, so I I just I just agree with I agree with him completely with what the things that he he was promoting. <clears throat> there were a lot of. Uh, uh, Bad, evil bad things evil. against against the black people, and and he uh, he made he made a lot of uh, a lot of progress in that area, and and the and the reason he was assassinated, I believe, was because some of those evil people didn't believe in him, and they they didn't want him to make changes. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, it's back to you, Mary. I, I just had a few a few thoughts that I wanted to bring out. Thanks, Bob. These are revolutionary times. All over the globe, men are revolting against old systems of exploitation, oppression, and out of the wounds of a frail world, new systems of justice and equality are being born. King's words reflected the broader global content of the social change during the 60s. His leadership, leadership became synonymous with the global struggle of human rights and justice. In his recognition of his contributions to peace and equality, Martin Luther King Jr. was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. This prestigious honor elevated King to an international platform and brought attention to ongoing struggle for civil rights in the United States. I believe that unarmed truth 
and unconventional love will have the final word in reality. This was why right temporarily defended is the stronger than evil triumph. King's acceptance speech reflected his commitment to nonviolence and the belief that love and truth will ultimately triumph over hatred and injustice. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, Matthew 5, 9. This verse resonates with the theme of peace and justice, reflecting the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr.'s work, the transformative impact of the legislative victories and the Nobel Peace Prize on the civil rights movement. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. The biblical wisdom of the, in this verse resonates with the impact of the legislative victories, signaling a shift toward justice and equality. As we near the conclusion of our journey, we turn to focus on the enduring legacy of this remarkable leader and the ongoing struggle for justice and equality. Martin Luther King Jr.'s life may have been cut short, his legacy continues to reverberate through the pages of history. His teachings of love, nonviolence, and the pursuit of justice remains a guiding light for those to carry the torch of civil rights activism. King's legacy is to the accolades and honors bestowed upon him. It lives in the hearts of those who continue to fight against the systematic racism, discrimination, and justice. The ongoing struggles for civil rights echoes King's dream of a society where individuals are judged by their character rather than the color of their skin. He has shown you, O mortal, the Lord require of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. <coughs> Excuse me. Micah 6, 8. This verse in the book of Micah encapsulates the fundamental principles of righteousness and justice, calls for actions that reflect not only fairness, but also compassion and humility. Martin Luther King Jr. drew inspiration from such biblical teachings to emphasize the moral imperative of the civil rights movement. The call to act justly, love, mercy, and walk humbly resonates as a timeless guide for individuals committed to creating more just in a compassionate society. He has shown you, immortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The struggle for civil rights continues, encompassing issues of racial justice, economic inequality, and the fight against systematic oppression. Movements stand for testament of the unyielding spirit of those who demand justice and equality. We stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. The fight for justice is not over. It's our turn to carry the torch forward. The torch that Martin Luther King Jr. carried in his time has been passed on, lighting the way for our generations and more to come. As we reflect on the King's legacy and the ongoing struggle, let us remember the fight for justice is a collective 
endeavor. It requires each individual to contribute their part on the ongoing narrative. Join us in the final moments of our tribute as we consider the impact of Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and the world, the timeless lessons that we glean from his journey. My own death, and I think about my own funeral. I ask myself, what is it that I would want to say? I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to mention that day. And Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I tried to be right on the wall question. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life to call those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I... All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. We aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around. We aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So as we close out the show today, I want you to remember, the legacy is for us to continue on. Remember his resilience, his courage, his commitment to faith and to justice. And join us back here at 2 p.m. Eastern. We have a special show highlighting a young man who created his own business 
at a very young age and is working on using that to inspire other kids to be able to do other things and make changes in the world. So join us for the special edition of Hometown Heroes at 2 p.m. today. So have a good day, have a good night, and see you back here at 2 p.m. Eastern. Bye for now. Thank you, Mary. God bless you and your family. You too, Bob. Thank you for tuning in to Optimize My Life Radio. We hope you found today's show insightful and empowering. Remember to follow us on social media and Optimize My Life for updates, additional resources, and to stay connected with our community. Join us back here tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern for another enriching episode as we continue our journey towards a more fulfilling and optimized life. Until then, take care, and remember to make each day count.